Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to get the pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say, get the pancake delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to getthepancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter by going to getthepancake.com. There's a sign up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. Hello, volleyball coaches. It's Whitney from Get the Pancake, a podcast for volleyball coaches. Now, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus for the past couple weeks. I do apologize, but there have been a lot of things happening in the Bartuk household. Although unrelated to volleyball, my husband recently started playing pickleball professionally. If you don't know what pickleball is, I highly recommend you check it out. And these past two weeks, he was playing in the national championship tournament. So that took up a lot of our time and distracted me a little bit from Get the Pancake. In addition, I also recently started with a local rec program, and I'm helping run their volleyball program. Surprise, surprise. And so I've also been distracted by getting things done in real life, not just on the internet. So I do apologize for the gap in podcast episodes, but sometimes real life interrupts our best intentions. Anyway, today's episode, I want to talk to you about club season because that is about to start or has started for most of you who are coaching club volleyball. And although I love coaching in general, coaching club is probably at the top of my list for favorite things to do. I've coached a number of club teams all over the U.S., And I wanted to share three of my top tips to help you get started in the beginning of the season. It's so important to go in prepared. And if you are a new coach or only have a couple seasons under your belt, there are a lot of things that maybe you just haven't experienced yet because you haven't been doing it for a very long time. I'm sure I'll run into more things as well. We never stop learning. But I did want to share these three little nuggets of wisdom with you to try and help you have a more successful beginning of the season, which sets the tone for the rest of your season. The first tip that I have for you to starting off your club season on the right foot is to make sure that you not only set rules, but you also enforce them. Now, this is something that I address in my book. I'll include a link in the description of this podcast. Also, I recorded the first chapter for you. That's episode number 10, titled chapter four, beginning of the season. I know I'm super creative. In that chapter, I have a lot of information about how to start your season off right. And I talk about enforcing rules in that chapter, but I want to expand on that a little bit in this episode. Not only do you need to set rules from the beginning, you also need to enforce them. So quick story time. During my first, second, or third season, I can't remember, it all blends together. My team was at the regional tournament at the end of the year, and 
where I originally started coaching, head coaches had to be the up ref. I don't know if that's how it is where you're coaching. I haven't had to do that since I left that region. And I'm so thankful because I am not a huge fan of being the up ref. Anyway, in this tournament, I was refereeing a match. And of course, it's regional, so there's high emotions. And I'm watching these two teams play. And we were taught in the beginning of the season, you know, kind of watch the teams as they're warming up, assess what their general skill level is, and then call the match based on how they do in their warmups. So I had watched these two teams warm up and I'm going to be honest, I was not very impressed with their setting skills. And by not very impressed, I mean just about every other ball was a carry or a double. It was pretty messy, but I thought, okay, well, these teams just aren't good at setting. I can't call it every time they need to play. So I'll just let them play on. And As the match started and I saw carry after carry after double, (laughs) you know, each time I felt my body try to blow the whistle, I really wanted to call these bad touches on the ball. But I stopped myself because, you know, I wanted to let them play. It wouldn't be fun if I was calling that every time because as I had seen in warmups, that's just how they set the ball. But by the time the match got towards the end of the second set. Now, both of these sets had been very close. I couldn't let it go anymore. The level of play had deteriorated and gotten sloppier and sloppier, and I just couldn't let it go anymore. And finally, I saw just a horrible double on the ball from the setter. And so I blew my whistle, called it, and Everyone went crazy. Everyone was so upset with me for calling this double, which was clearly a horrible touch on the ball. But up until that point, I hadn't called it. And so, of course, the whole crowd is yelling at me that, well, the other team did that, but you didn't call them. And, you know, I'm just shushing everybody trying to get the match to proceed. And, of course, when the opposing team makes the same exact conduct, I have to call that. I can't just let it go, of course. Otherwise, the crowd will be chasing me with pitchforks after the match or chase me down from the stand. And so I started calling carries and doubles because I just, in my heart, I could not let the match continue with those being allowed. It was not anywhere close to being good volleyball. And of course, the match ended up going to three sets. I had to make some more calls on doubles and carries and everyone was was upset. I'm sure there was a lot of grumbling and blaming the horrible ref after the match for the loss by parents, players, coaches, whatever. And I remember stepping down from the ref stand and just feeling kind of like garbage. (laughs) I did not feel good. I I knew that I had done the right thing by making those calls, but it felt bad to have everyone turn against me for doing what I thought was the right thing. And this very sweet referee, he was an official referee um, for the tournament. They were there to sort of manage different pools and referee during bracket play. But he came up to me and he gave me some of the best advice that I have held on to and applied to so many different areas of my life. I think it's just genius it's so simple. He came up and he said, you know, don't feel bad about those calls that you made. They were the right calls. But what you have to do is you have to call a tight match 
from the very beginning. If the players know that they're going to be called for a double or a carry, they will adjust their play and they'll play by the expectations set after that. And then it will be a good match and you won't even need to call anything because the players, again, will adjust. And so in my situation, by letting the play just be ugly, I was allowing these players to test the boundaries, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and they kept figuring out, okay, well, I can get away with that, so I will continue to set even though it's not a perfect pass, and I know I'm going to double or I'm going to carry, but I'm not getting called on it, so I'm going to continue to do it. Now, I tell this story because I have found that that applies to rules with your team as well. If you set the rules from the beginning and you enforce them strictly and fairly and evenly, as you say you will, you don't really have a problem with rule breaking throughout your entire season. The trouble comes when you're not clear about rules from the beginning, or maybe you don't even have any because you don't realize that you need them, or or worse yet, you just expect your players to all be on their best behavior at all times. That is when you're going to be playing catch up later and people will be getting mad at you for trying to enforce rules that you weren't enforcing in the beginning of the season. It's the same exact concept. And I know that because I've been there. And that's why I highly recommend that you be clear on the rules, clear on the consequences, and make sure that as rules are broken, consequences are enforced. Don't try and be nice. Don't let people off the hook. Don't give them a second chance. Enforce the rules. It might be uncomfortable, but I can guarantee you that the uncomfort you'll feel enforcing that rule for the first or second time is going to be so much less than trying to manage chaos at the end of the season. It's just, it's worth it. Okay. So trust me, that's my first tip. Set your rules and enforce them. If you've coached before, you probably have an idea of what rules you need to enforce. If you haven't coached before, I have an article on getthepancake.com. I'll include a link in the description to that article. I also have sample rules that I use with my team. You can print those off and use them yourself or just use them as a guide. It is a free download. Okay, the second tip for the beginning of your club volleyball season. I love this one. I think it is so fun. And unfortunately, I didn't come up with this. This was another coach who I worked with quite a few years ago, and she did this with her teams, and that is hosting basically a party for parents. So you may think like the success of your club team is based on team bonding and all of that. And Trust me, that definitely plays a huge part in your success. But oftentimes with club, players will be coming from different school districts, maybe from different cities. And a lot of the parents just don't know each other. And if you don't create a space for them to introduce themselves, by the second or third tournament, you're still going to have people who are sitting by themselves, not really feeling like they're a part of anything, maybe just dropping their kids off, not really coming and watching. But if you can get the parents to meet each other and even just knowing each other's names and a little bit about them, you're going to foster friendships with your parents and then the parents are going to become more invested in the team as well. You're going to have a cheering section. They're going to be building friendships. Your players are more likely to get along because then their parents will be friends. Hosting a party or a meet and greet for parents, just even a couple hours Maybe go and get pizza together, go out to an event together, get dinner. Doing something like that will allow the parents to all meet each other. And then when they walk into that first tournament, they'll be like, oh, hi, Tanya, mind if I sit with you? 
instead of awkwardly walking in and maybe sitting next to someone. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's much better to walk in and get the awkward meeting over at the parent party. And the coach that I learned this from actually hosts a cookie exchange. So they do that in December before the first tournament, you know, when the holidays are coming up. I found a link online that talks about hosting cookie exchanges and it talks about, you know, making sure that no one has any allergies to anything and how many cookies to tell everyone to bring. So that's not on Get the Pancake, but I thought it was helpful. So if this is something that you think will work for your club program, I'm going to include a link and I highly suggest that you consider having some sort of a get together. A cookie exchange is a great idea because it gives people something to talk about automatically other than just volleyball. And once it's over, it's over. So you're not just left standing there waiting to see who leaves first. Okay, so just to recap, tip number two for the start of your club season is to host a meet and greet before tournament start with parents. The last tip that I have for you today is to make sure that when you're running practices that you are teaching your players how to play volleyball in game-like situations. Not just game-like situations, but like actually in a game. I'm not a huge fan of scrimmages, but I think it's important that you try and run at least two to three scrimmages before the season starts and not just informal scrimmages. I'm talking about have a coach, maybe one of your assistants or something, be up on the ref stand, blowing the whistle, keeping the score, doing subs properly, having your libero switch in. These are a lot of things that we overlook and players just get lost on the court at our first, maybe second tournament if we don't prepare them for actual gameplay. This is especially true for younger teams and teams with a bunch of new players. So even at the 16 and under level, most teams will understand how to do substitutions and everything, but Maybe your libero forgets when they're supposed to go in, or maybe there's some confusion on who covers the ball when it gets touched by a block or something like that. Or, you know, just something random that you won't understand that they don't understand until it's too late and you're in, you know, your second match of your first tournament and you realize, oh my gosh, we have five more games today and this isn't going to work. And I know a lot of coaches will focus on skills in the beginning of the season, which is definitely important. A lot of coaching resources will tell you to focus more on skills, almost exclusively on skills in the beginning of the season, which I agree with to a certain extent. But a lot of players, especially if you are at almost <laughs> any average club that's not, you know, top 20 in your region, you'll probably want to practice these scrimmages and other game-like situations at least two to three weeks ahead of time. I know I've made the mistake so many years in a row. I keep thinking like, okay, well, they'll get it, they'll get it. And then I save the last practice before our tournament to do a scrimmage. And then I realize, oh my gosh, they don't know anything. <laughs> and that's not a good time <laughs> to be learning how to do substitution. So if you can do it two weeks ahead of time, let's say you practice twice a week, Monday, Wednesday, and then have a tournament on Saturday. So Two weeks ahead of time, maybe on that Monday, run your first scrimmage, figure out what's going wrong, try and fix it on Wednesday. Maybe they don't understand substitutions. Maybe they don't understand how to rotate into base. Maybe they're struggling with serve receive. You can cover that all on Wednesday. The following Monday, scrimmage again. This time it should be better because you've already worked on things from the last Wednesday practice. Then the last practice before your tournament, 
Now you can run through a brief scrimmage. It should be a lot faster. Try and keep it quick. That's usually what throws off new teams is just the pace of gameplay. But you can do more drills, such as one of my favorite drills, which is the free ball down ball game. And of course, I'll include a link to that. If you structure your practices like this and include a couple of scrimmages ahead of time with room for correction, your players are going to go into their first tournament understanding what's expected of them and confident that they'll be able to handle it. If you wait until that last practice or two to get your first taste of scrimmaging, your players are going to realize what you're realizing, which is, oh my gosh, we're not ready for this. So make sure that you spend a lot of time teaching them how to get into their base position, how to move on defense, switching into serve receive. A lot of times when we are teaching serve receive, we'll maybe do, okay, serve receive in rotation one, serve receive in rotation two. But going through serving into serve receive and then back to serving, and then back into serve receive, that's going to teach them a lot more than just serve receive after serve receive because then they understand the flow of the match and they understand where to stand. They can put all the pieces together. I hope that makes sense. All right, those are the three tips that I have for you if you are starting your club season. Just to summarize again, set and enforce your rules, host a meet and greet or some sort of an event with your player's parents and make sure that your players are actually ready for gameplay. Don't just focus on skills strictly. They need to know how to move on the court. Thank you so much for listening to the Get the Pancake podcast. I appreciate all of you. I have started doing volleyball vlogs. <laughs> if you want to check out Get the Pancake on YouTube, it's a little less structured and more conversational. So if you want to just hear my honest thoughts on how things are going in my world of volleyball right now, um, go and check them out. And I also recommend going to the shop on getthepancake.com. I just added a team questionnaire printable. My good friend, Lynette Ray, she coaches with Northern Lights up in Minnesota. This is the questionnaire that she uses with her team every year just to get an idea of what's on their mind, what are their goals. So there's a beginning, middle, and end of season questionnaire that she hands out. Her club also conducts evaluations, but she likes to have these for herself. That way she can track how she's doing, what she can improve on. So if you are interested in your own personal development and not just doing the bare minimum by waiting for your club to send out an evaluation, I highly recommend that you go and check out the team questionnaire packet. All the links to everything mentioned in the show will be in the description and that's it. I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.